What is up, Vikings fans? Chris Corso here for the Vikings.com postgame report. Joined, as always, from U.S. Bank Stadium by Ben Lieber. And man, oh man, a 23-yard field goal for Dan Bailey gives the Vikings a 27-24 win to move to 6-6 six and six on the season. Winning ugly, but still winning the game, Ben. And I guess... What I can say from this game, it was kind of like, you know, when you rip off a Band-Aid and you just rip off like little tiny parts without just ripping off <laughs> yeah, the whole yeah. thing. That's how I felt this game was because it was not a pretty win. But at the end of the day, the Vikings found a way to get it done. Well, I mean, that's the thing, you know, you got to be happy with is the fact that, yes, they did win. Um, and so you can feel pretty good about it. But when you start breaking it down and you start looking at it with a critical eye, uh, it was bad. I mean, it was, there was some bad football and, you know, there was, there were some great things that we improved on, especially defensively. You know, we, we really shut down their, their offense really most of the second half. You, you get the, uh, you get the four takeaways, you get three sacks, you start crushing the quarterback in which they didn't do the last four games. Um, but at the same time, you give up a 10 play 80 yard drive at the end of the game, just like last week, where you give up a big chunk play at the end of the game on their final drive to allow the Carolina Panthers a, an opportunity to kick a, uh, a game-winning field goal or game-time field goal. So it, it's, it's, there's critical moments of the games that, that seem to be lacking, I think, for both the offense and the defense. It seemed like whenever the Vikings had a chance to just seal the game and kind of be done with it, it just didn't happen. Obviously, at the beginning of the game, it all started when Eric Kendricks goes down in pregame warm-ups with a calf injury, and it seemed like that just threw off the entire momentum from this start as Jacksonville drives down the field on the first drive, gets a wacky touchdown, and then they come down and have a field goal. They're up 9 nothing before the Vikings even do anything on the offensive side of the ball. So um, do you think that Kendrick's injury really messed with the momentum of, of the game to start for the Vikings offense and defense? Yeah, I, I, I definitely think so. You know, when, when Eric Wilson is told just moments before the game to, you know, put his green dot helmet on and then he's making the calls and then he goes from one, one linebacker position to another – and, um, and now you've got to take control of this defense and make all the calls. I certainly think that they were a little bit uh, out of um, out of sync, uh, probably 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 not aligned perfectly, and, and the keys certainly weren't there. And and you saw they got exploited on the very first play to O'Shaughnessy right up right up the gut uh, on that seam ball, and they they end up attacking with the tight ends throughout the whole first half, six catches for 60 yards between their two tight ends, and uh, and those are deadly. You know, it doesn't seem like big chunk yardage, but, you know, for whatever reason, whenever you get your tight ends involved in the, in the passing game and your running backs involved in the passing game, it's, it's just, it's just another element to the defense they have to think about. And it's a little bit non-conventional and um, it really puts you on your heels. Speaking of guys being out on the defensive side of the ball, it seems like a lot of guys who haven't really made a lot of plays this season, make big plays in this game. It was Cameron Dantzler who was a huge interception down nine, nothing. And it seemed like when he made that play, the Jags were driving down the field with a chance to go up about 16 to nothing at that point. He makes an interception on the Vikings side of the field. And then the Vikings offense, I feel like, started to get things going there as Kirk Cousins drives down the field with a touchdown to Adam Thielen. Yeah, man, I, I, I got to give a lot of credit to, um, to Cousins for this game. I mean, he, he got his butt kicked 
uh, a lot. And, you know, you, you're facing a defense that only had 11 sacks coming into the game, and then all of a sudden they get four sacks on him. They pressured him all game. They, uh, they battered him all game. You know, they, some of those design rollouts and, and boot plays, you're, you are put in a vulnerable position to get hit. And, um, and he was able to deliver a lot of balls, even though he knew he was going to get hit. Um, and I think that he, he, you know, sneakily had a, had a great game. So just, just his control of the offense, uh, the way that the offense sort of had to grind out every single rushing yard, you know, I, I guess in the end, it was the recipe for success. Um, but boy, you would have loved to have seen at least one or a couple of those runs pop for big plays. 305 passing yards, three touchdowns, 28 for 43 on the day for Cousins. Whenever he needed a big play, he's either going to number 19 or number 18, Justin Jefferson. Jefferson sets a, a record for a Vikings rookie with five games of 100 yards. He, he hits 1,000 yards on the season. First rookie to do that since Randy Moss. I mean, it seems like these two guys, it, it's really tough for me because the Vikings have these superstars at wide at the both wide receiver positions they have 33 in the backfield they're throwing up all these stats that we touch on every week with cousins jefferson Thielen, cook but the the simple things then like what is going on on the vikings offensive side of the ball you have false starts on the one yard line at the at the end of the game there when you can just close the thing out what do the vikings need to do on the offensive side of the ball to limit these mistakes going forward because i feel like it's going to cost them on this playoff run here? You know, I think it's one of those things where, you know, as a defense, you know, a lot of times our philosophy was, um, you know, obviously you love three and outs, but if a team's going to score on you, then then let them do it on long drives and, and keep them on the field. And you, you just got to hold court hoping that they're going to make a mistake. And that's, that's, it seems like, is our Achilles heel on offense as well. If we don't score quickly and we don't have big chunk explosive plays, I don't think that right now that we're experienced enough and we're good enough to go on these long sustained drives consistently throughout a game because yes, you are going to get a holding call. You're going to get sacked. You're going to have a false start. You're going to have a misalignment. Um, You you're, you're not playing perfect football in that capacity. So um, I do think going forward, you know, yes, we need to establish the run game, but boy, I, I would have liked some, at least take some shots early in the game uh, not just a bootleg on first and second down, but take a shot, you know, throw it deep. See if you can get some cheap cheap yardage and get some explosive plays in the passing game. Yeah, that's what it seemed. In the first half, the Vikings offense really didn't do much. I think it was nearly triple time of possession for the Jacksonville Jaguars. And, man, did things flip in the second half. The Vikings were moving the ball down the field. Gary Kubiak finally taking some shots down to Justin Jefferson. Uh, Jefferson has that 20-yard touchdown, which is – a big-time play for the Vikings as they finally start to take the lead here. But I want to go back to the defense at the end of the game. What happened on that last drive that Mike Lennon goes all the way down the field and converts the two-point conversion? How, how does that happen against the 1-10 Jaguars team? Well, you know, a lot of times you, you are changing your coverage a little bit to be a little bit softer. But, again, I think I think we go from, from playing safe to passive. And I think that the difference is that we're just – we're afraid to make plays. We're, we're, we're worried about not giving up a big play in those situations. And, and you're right. That's, that's two weeks in a row now where you, you get a, a big drive at the end of the game that could potentially cost you. Uh, in this particular instance, it, it really kind of did cost you. I mean, you could have, 
you could have won the game. And I think that's the one thing I've been waiting for this whole season is with this defense, they have to win a game. There's going to be an opportunity and there's going to be a time and there's going to be a game where the offense is going to struggle and the offense is going to struggle mightily. You've got to go out and close out a game. You, you have to be the one that puts your foot on the team's throat and closes the game out. And yes, we made some plays. We got the four takeaways. You, you finished plus two and that's, and that's great. That's going to win you some football games, but if you're put in a game situation where you're on the field as a defense and you just got to get one stop to win the game, you got to go out and do it. Vikings don't get the stop. It goes from it goes to 24 to 24 with about 50 seconds left, and the Vikings offense drives down the field. They're they're on about a third and one, and it looks like you could have a 51 yard field goal at that spot. And Mike Zimmer decides to use the timeout and then throw the ball down the field to Justin Jefferson. Uh, Cousins to Jefferson, which is nearly intercepted. I was jumping out of my seat saying, what are we doing here? You can almost run the ball, then call the timeout as the time literally gets to three seconds and go for a closer field goal. So kind of, and then obviously Dan Bailey misses the kick with about 18 seconds left and gives the Jaguars a chance to come back on the other side. So you got to break down what happened there from clock management to the decision of the quarterback, the decision of the head coach. It seemed like we weren't all on the same page there. Yeah, I, I agree with you, man. I I think that our our kicking operation obviously is suspect and a little questionable. So so why not get as close as possible to put them in the best chance to succeed? And you know, fifty yarder, anything past fifty yarders, that's not that's not a gimme. You know, I, I know that Dan Bailey's really good, but you saw how he was struggling at the day just with the extra points. And so why not take that pressure off them a little bit? You've got one yard to go. Go ahead and with a you can, you can even run a quarterback sneak, pick up a first down. The clock is going to stop just for a hot second to reset the chain. You could have a, a play in your back pocket, or you could spike it, retain your re, retain your timeout, and still throw some sort of out route. Come up with something that you can pick up, you know, five, six, seven yards, and then if you have to, uh, and there's no time left, then kick the field goal. I, I, I'm with you. I thought that. The decision at that point in time to launch a ball down the sidelines to try, I don't know, maybe they're trying for a pass interference call. That's such a college football move. That, that's, that's, not the, that's not the right play in that situation, I don't think. Yeah, I was jumping out of my seat uh, watching the game at home, and then obviously then I can go through overtime with you, and I was probably jumping out of my seat even more. The Vikings' first drive, they backed themselves all the way up to about a third and twenty-seven. I don't want to talk about the 40-yard pass from Cousins to Jefferson that really I don't know if that was an offensive pass interference or not, not even the point. Um, but it's Harrison Smith who comes up with a huge interception on Mike Glennon and sets up the Vikings finally for that game-winning drive led by Kirk Cousins but then really finished off by eight straight runs by Dalvin Cook. So I, I don't know. What are your overall takeaways? Because I couldn't decide if I was happy or sad or – <laughs> I had all the emotions going on over here. So please explain to me, Ben, what should I be feeling right now? I mean, in the end, I, I guess you're, you're happy, but I think you, you sort of encapsulated what I'm feeling. I think what a lot of Vikings <laughs> fans are feeling that um, I'm not even sure what emotion I'm supposed to have after watching the game, especially when you break it down like that, 
you know, if, if somebody's just looking at the box score. I don't know how I broke down all of those plays because there were so many of them that just disappointed me. So I'm trying to like follow exactly what happened in this game. It's all mush to me at this point, because like I said, I was dealing with about four different emotions going through all of what just Well, look, look, I mean, I think we, we talk about expectations a lot. And if, if this was, let's fast forward, you know, if this was the New Orleans Saints game, you, you would overlook a lot of the, the negative plays and be like, are you freaking kidding me? We just won on a game-winning overtime field goal. This is awesome. You know, we just, we just beat New Orleans in New Orleans. What a, what a feeling. And, and let's say everything else remains the same. We grinded out the same amount of yards. You know, we, we got Kurt sacked four times. You know, we did all these things. We had the same clock management issues. But we would be feeling much different because of expectations. The expectation going into this game was this is a terrible defense that can't get after the quarterback. We should have an offensive explosion on these guys, and we should win this game handily. And we didn't. We barely won. And, and I think that's why we all kind of collectively feel like this big letdown after a win. Absolutely. That was my big storyline going into this game was actually win a game, like not in the last second, like we've been doing all year against the one in 10 team that obviously didn't happen. But at the end of the day, like Justin Jefferson says in his post game press conference, a win is a win and we have some things to fix. So looking forward, Ben, you're not, you're not only playing a pretty good quarterback next week, but you're playing one of the best quarterbacks in NFL history in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, obviously you have the saints on the schedule coming up on the road on Christmas day. And then two division games, which I'm not taking the bears or lions lately at this point either. So what do the Vikings need to do coming up here? What do they need to fix to really go on this playoff run and, and, and see, I want to see something sealed. I I don't want to wait till the last second, like we did in this game. What do we need to do to seal a spot in the NFC playoffs? You know, I I think that when it comes to offense, we, we have to do a better job of allowing and empowering Kirk Cousins to check out of plays. And when we've got a run play called and they've got eight, eight guys in the box and it looks like they're going to blitz a ninth guy, check out of it. You know, get us into something safer. Even if it's just a quick pass to the outside. You know, we did that one time with Adam Thielen today where they had an off coverage. They're packing the box. The cornerback the was about eight yards off the ball. And he just took the snap quick threw it out to him and, and picked up four or five yards. That's as good as a run play. And it keeps the defense a little bit more honest. We have to do more things like that. We can't just keep beating our heads against uh, a brick wall and say like, well, damn it, we're going to run the football because that's what we do. Yeah, but you got to run it and you got to do it. You got to be a little bit more smart about your play calling and, and, and flexibility about where your offense is going to go. And, and I think that's going to help all the explosive plays that we saw early in the season. Now, defensively, I mean, it's the same, it's the same thing. I mean, you got to go out and just keep continue to make plays. And uh, the young secondary has to step up, and we have to get more of a consistent pass, pass rush uh, that we got a little bit more today, but only really in the second half. Thank you so much, Ben Lieber. I think uh, you're going to have to decide what of those four or five emotions is the strongest and let me know um, by tomorrow because I, I think we, all, we both need to let these emotions settle. And uh, remember that we're six and six and there's a playoff run ahead. Well, I'll tell you what, I, I don't really care about my emotions right now because after this phone call, I'm going to go home. I'm going to have a 
a few fingers of bourbon and I'm just going to feel numb more than anything else. So uh, that's what I'm looking forward to. Amen. I will do that as well uh, for you here. So appreciate it, Ben. And uh, we will, we will see you next week. All right. See you, Chris. On to the post-game sound of the Vikings.com post-game report. We are going to start it off with a victorious locker room. But as we said, I don't know how you go about to feel after this game. Let's hear how the coach felt after the game in the locker room. But we won, okay? We won. But I'm just telling you, we're not going to be able to do that. Now we're playing for the last month here for something special. Yep. We worked our off to get the 500, which I've talked about all week, right? <clears throat> and now we got a chance to go do something special because now we can get into the playoffs and move from there. But we got to go one week at a time and go, and we have to, we have to get better. We have to get better. Okay? Everybody agrees with me, correct? We can do this. Let's go finish it. Okay? All right. Good win. Bikes on three. One, two, three. Bikes. All right, well, with that, we bring in Vikings.com's Cy Amundsen and Vikings.com's Gabe Henderson. And, guys, I had this conversation with Ben a little bit earlier, and I can't really decide what emotions to feel following this game because it seemed like – I think, Cy, I think I texted you during the, the comeback of the Jaguars and the two-point conversion. I don't care if we win or lose this game. I'm disappointed with the way we've performed. At the end, I guess I was happy with the fact that we won – but I was also uh, frustrated and upset as a Vikings fan and a Vikings employee. So uh, I'm going to go to you first side because I know how passionate you are about this team. What is the core emotion that you are feeling following this game? Is bewilderment an emotion? I don't know. I'm not great with words. I, I, that counts. I don't, I, I have, I, I'm kind of with I you. I, you'd be here's creative with your word. A win is a win is a win is a win. I don't care how we get them. I don't care how we get there. You, you need to get enough wins to get into the playoffs, and you need to be – here's the second piece of that. You need to be playing good football going into the playoffs. So from the first half of that sentiment, you're, you, you got to win. So I'm, I'm obviously excited about getting a win. The Cardinals are temporarily behind – so I'm filled with the positivity of a possible playoff run here, a, a chance to play postseason football if things continue to progress. But that is met smack dab in the middle with I, – I, I don't know if it's frustration, disappointment, whatever, whatever term you want to use to describe watching a football team make too many mistakes week in and week out. And it's, it's really – the reason I used bewilderment is because we're five and one. We in the last six games, we've gone five and one playing what can only be described as mistake-filled <laughs> football. Like yep. it is literally mistake a pick six this week. Two turnovers turned into touchdowns last week. Three kicks missed today. Uh, 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 you know, it didn't turn out to be a big deal, but a terrible false start on the last play of overtime before the kick. It's the fact that we are five and one. We won an important game that helps put, put us in a position to control our own destiny if Arizona wins. That, 
I don't even understand it given the amount of mistakes this team has been making. So I'm going to take the win and hope we start ramping up and playing better football, but I'm kind of with you. I have, I have no idea which way to, which way to shake it. I, I will say this, Chris, I will point this out. I remember when I was in my early twenties, the Vikings needed a win to get into the playoffs in week 17. And they went out and dropped an epic turd. And I heard every, every fan I knew was like, who, like, who cares? It doesn't even like, we were still waiting to see if another team won to backdoor us into the playoffs. And I heard the same sentiment. It's like, Oh, I don't care who like, Oh, this team's playing poorly, blah, 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 blah. And then that team backed into the playoffs and I'm pretty sure unless I'm mixing my history up, that's when we walked into Lambeau field and destroyed the Packers in the first round of the playoffs. And everybody freaked out because Randy Moss mooned an audience uh, fictionally. So I, a win's a win. I, I feel what you're saying, but let's just, I guess, let's see where it goes from here. We're six and six. Let's see where it goes from here. Obviously, I have no idea what the hell I'm feeling, Chris. Yeah, Good question. I'm a whirling tornado of thoughts. <laughs> I, have, I have four emotions. Sai is bewildered. So, uh, Gabe, what are, what are you feeling? <laughs> I, I think the word to describe how I feel right now is probably adequate. Um, like, it's okay. Like, I'm okay. You're you know, when is a win? I'm adequate. Like, you know, it's okay. Like, we won. Like, it's enough. We this podcast enough. should just be called Guys Who Don't Understand What Emotions Are. <laughs> I would say, Cy, you know, what are your emotions? <laughs> hungry. I'm hungry. <laughs> I'm hungry too. Like <laughs> we, we, like we, we did enough not to lose against a one in ten team. So I'm okay with that. I know there's a lot that we have to do to fix, but at the same time, uh, it's adequate. You know, I'm, I, I'm a little indifferent, but at the same time, hey, in this league, so I think you brought it up last week. Out of the three games that we've lost by less than three points, I think you'll take a win. I think you'll take a win any chance you can get it. And being at 500 right now. I think you got to continue to move forward. You got to, you know, correct your mistakes and move forward and see and see what we can do to uh, be a be a better team against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers next week and be a better team for the upcoming four games. But if I had to describe how I felt right now, I would say adequate, simply because we won. So we heard from the head coach in the locker room. Let's hear from the head coach at the podium as he addressed the media following the adequate win. I have mixed feelings, to be honest with you, Don. Uh, you know, it's good to get a win. It was important for us to get a win today. Um, you know, we didn't play particularly well at times. Uh, you know, defensively, they went right down and scored on us. Uh, I thought we played a lot better throughout the course of the game, except, uh, you know, the, we got some turnovers, which are big. A fourth down, you know, we, we got a chance to win the game and a two-point play, and we we uh, don't, don't get that done. And, you know, offensively, you know, it was a struggle today for the most part. Uh, you know, they they were loading up the box on us and really, you know, making sure to take care of Dalvin. Uh, I think once, you know, and then the, obviously the interception for the touchdown, um, first play of the second half, uh, we fumbled the ball on the one-yard line going in. Uh, we missed three kicks. Um, you know, and then, but, you know, I think it did loosen them up a little bit when Kirk started hitting some of those balls down the field there in the, I believe it was the fourth quarter, and then, uh, you know, and Dalvin was able to get going. Maybe it was the third quarter, and Dalvin was able to get going a little bit better. So, you know, like I'm, I'm talking to the team about, you know, it's important that we're winning these games, but, you know, we, there's, 
we've got to do these things way better than what we're doing. And and they all understand, you know, it's like it's there wasn't a lot of hooting and hollering going on in the locker room the last two weeks. They know that, you know, that we got we have to do better in order to uh, to continue to win games. All right, so you heard it there from Coach Zimmer. I mean, it seems like he's happy that they get the win, but he's also kind of disappointed in some of the young mistakes that continue to happen. And we've talked about these mistakes, and I, and I don't want to talk about them anymore. I really don't. Because as you said, Cy, the Vikings are 5-1 and one in the past six games. But it's, it's super frustrating to see the stats and the records and, and everything that comes up on Cousins, Jefferson, Cook, Thielen, all these records are set each and every week in franchise history, in rookie history, uh, Cousins in the fourth quarter. But then the easy things – they continue and continue to happen. So rather than talk about the mistakes themselves, uh, Gabe, what do the Vikings actually need to do going forward to stop them from happening? I think you have to lean into your strengths, right? You lean into your matchups. So if teams are going to stack the box, hey, let's, let's see what matchup we have on the outside. Let's see which guy can win where. And if it's Justin Jefferson on a rookie uh, or Justin, like, like today, Justin Jefferson on Luke Barku, hey, that's what we're going to exploit until we can get back to our identity of running the ball. Uh, Dalvin Cook, yeah, he had, you know, a 100-yard game today, but it's not the Dalvin Cook we, we've seen uh, as of late. You know, this, is a, this isn't – today wasn't an NFC uh, player of the month of November type of performance today from Dalvin Cook. So when, when you got a team stacking the box and taking away your biggest weapon, and then when your biggest weapon, you know, makes turnovers, you know, two – two fumbles in the past three weeks. Yeah, I, I think you look at it and say, well, three, three fumbles in the past three weeks. I think you say, hey, we're going to look and do what's best. We're going to look at our matchups and see what we can do elsewhere so we can stop making these mistakes and penalties and well, mistakes and turnovers. And then from there, when everything opens back up, then you go back to your identity. But right now, you just got to get a win any way you can get it. Chris, I think sometimes in sports, uh, you start rolling a metaphorical snowball down a hill and it, it becomes an avalanche. You know, a, a, a circumstance happens and then it happens again and then it's a trend and then you believe it. You see it all the time. Uh, teams and athletes start to believe that what has happened in the past is a predictor of who they are in the future. And you see it in both a positive and negative way. You know, you'll see teams who they're down seven points with two minutes to play and they just have this belief about them because they know they've been in this position a bunch of times. And the flip side of it is the case also. A team that's ahead, you see them fall apart at the end of games time in and time out. And that can happen from both a team and an individual performance standpoint. It can happen in terms of game results as well as mistakes. And to me, this, I know this is incredibly simplistic, but you need to break the trend. You know, this, is, this has been – I mean, it's, it's almost comical. Pick six this week. Two, two uh, turnover touchdowns the week before. You had the two in Seattle. You had the, the pick six in Tennessee that was, you know, reversed on a call. You, you've just had all – and then special teams, the same thing. Mistake in, mistake out, mistake in, mistake over and over and over. Yeah. What this team needs and what I was honestly hoping this game would be 
is a level of concentration, focus, and execution that helps them break those trends. But even in a victory, when you go out and you miss three kicks, you have some bad penalties, you turn the ball over in a devastating way twice, two of those turnovers were devastating. Uh, I, I don't know that that's so basically, and it's, it's a tough task because we're walking into uh, Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But one of these games, you're going to have to execute start to finish, turn the ball over zero times, make zero crucial special teams mistakes, and, and commit a minimal amount of penalties. You're going to have to do that for an entire football game to create a new trend. Because for whatever reason, this thing that started as a tiny snowball has rolled into an avalanche. And it wouldn't surprise me if it wasn't just the fans that were spending a lot of time focusing on, on those negative trends. Yeah, I think coming into this game, Si, you had the, the, the notion of, hey, this is a confidence building game. We're gonna use this game. Um, to, you know, not, I wouldn't say pad the stats, but not make the mental errors. So coming into this game and seeing all the mental errors that we had, but on the same time, the defensive side of the ball, having three sacks and four takeaways, I, I don't know if you got better as a team, even though you won. But at the same time, I, I think <laughs> – I'm going to ask you this. Like, if, you, if this is – I'll ask you, Corso, also. If this is the way you win every game from here on out, is it acceptable? I don't think so. I think my key thing going into this game, I said it on multiple shows of ours, was stomp on their throats. Win a game at a at a level where you say, you know what, it's the third quarter and this game is over. I mean, we had a few games like that last year uh, when we played your old uh, your old Redskins, who are now not even a, a team anymore. But they are a Thursday team. Night. It's a football team, though. Yeah, the, the Washington football team. We played them last year on a Thursday night. The game was over. We ran the clock out in the whole second half. Like, why can't there be one win or one loss that's one way or the other? I feel like every week in this stretch that you talked about, Cy, that we're 5-1, and one, it's like every game comes down to a play here, a play there, and the whole thing could switch. And that's not what winning teams do. That's not what you do in the playoffs if you want to go on a run, Cy. Yeah, to me, it's not even about whether or not it's acceptable because who am I to accept or not accept uh, a win? I, I know what you're saying, Gabe, but to me, it's more about whether or not it's sustainable. You know, mm. I, I'll accept this win. I'll accept all the wins, no matter how we get it. I don't care if our, if our punter has to throw for, for three touchdowns on fake punts. <laughs> I'll accept it. But understanding whether or not it's sustainable is a whole nother conversation. And I think when you're winning and losing games like this, it's a little hard to envision running off three to four games and three to four victories in a row against some of the best teams in football, which is what this game is all about. It's making a sustained run in uh, January and February against the other best teams in the NFL. So that's, that's a side note, guys, I'm going to break in here. Uh, uh, Jalen hurts just scrambled right and threw a 40 yard touchdown. And I assume everybody in Philadelphia just lit their Carson Wentz jerseys on fire. And we're going to have to watch a two year quarterback controversy back to my point. I just, that's my concern, Gabe, is that it's, I don't know how you can sustain a level of success playing this style of football with this many errors against the best teams in a row week in and week out, which is what it all comes down to uh, in the NFL when it, when it's playoff time. 
Well, let's go to the quarterback of the team, Kirk Cousins, after another, I know it wasn't flashy, but a game-winning drive. Let's hear from Kirk Cousins after the game. You know, thrilled, thrilled we won the game. I mean, ultimately, that's what, that's what matters. And, uh, you know, you don't want to win every game the way we had to do it today, but uh, we'll, we'll take the win. <clears throat> Offensively, it felt like an up-and-down game. Uh, there were positives. You know, we had some guys that played very well. But uh, there were just, you know, mistakes scattered throughout that, that were very costly and had a big impact on the flow of the game. And, um, uh, you know, again, we're fortunate to be able to have overcome them. Uh, a lot of credit goes to our defense and uh, the, some of the plays they made, like getting a safety and the turnovers they created and the stops they had on third down, um, you know, to where our, our mistakes on offense, you know, don't, um, you know, end up doing us in. Um, so, you know, we have to, you know, we'll enjoy the win tonight, but you also have to go back and look critically at every play, just like you always do, and, um, you know, think about how you can be better and uh, how you can improve. Um, and now we enter, you know, the final four games of the regular season, you know, the fourth quarter, if you will, and uh, we got to be at our best in the fourth quarter. Um, we have some good teams we have, uh, have to play, and uh, we're going to, you know, need our best football to have a shot to uh, get in the playoffs. But um, proud of the fact that after starting one and five, you know, we've been able to get back to 500. Um, and as we said at the bye week, you know, just like those 10 games, we're going to tell the story of the season that we're remaining. I think the remaining four games, you know, are going to really tell the story. So uh, it's all out in front of us. All right. Well, you can catch Kirk tomorrow breaking down more of the film along with a guest who I'm thinking might be Vikings fullback CJ Ham on the show tomorrow with Vikings quarterback Kirk Cousins on under center. You can catch that on Tuesday nights at 6 p.m. on KFAN uh, alongside co-host Mark Rosen and uh, producer myself kind of works on the show as well. So that will be fun. But looking at kind of what Cousins said, I want to I want to look at what he said there because he talks about how the, the last four games are going to tell the story, and when he said the the, the next ten games are going to tell the story, when we were one and five heading into a bye, a lot of Vikings fans looked at him like, "Hey, Kurt, you're crazy! Like the season's over. There's nothing to look at in these next ten games. We're one and five. Let's focus on some draft picks. Watch these fifteen draft picks and see how they develop over the year." But no, that that hasn't been the story. We've gone, we've gone on an incredible run to be at six and six. Might be in the playoffs by the end of the, by the end of the night. So, Sai, I want to ask you, what do you expect the story to be in these next four games that Kirk Cousins is talking about? I mean, I can tell you what I hope it is. Uh, you know, I, I hope it's I hope it's a story of everything coming together. Because this has been a season of glimpses. We talk about it being a season of mistakes so far on this podcast, but it's, all, it's also been a season of glimpses. You know, we've seen uh, young players making big plays. We've seen the secondary play a nice first half and then get exposed in the second half. We've seen the offense do things well for three quarters and struggle for a, for a quarter. So my hope is that all these glimpses and all these positives and all these small moments, you know, we were just talking about break the trend, head another direction. If you can go into Tampa Bay, play, you know, mistake-free, well-executioned football and beat a really good football team, you could really change your path. And these four games could be a hell of a lot more meaningful than these past 12 because 
we've seen teams at nine and seven, 10 and six, even eight and eight, go into the playoffs and make some noise because they were playing good football in December. So you have four games to get your head on straight, to minimize these mistakes and to set a trend heading towards the playoffs. And so that, that's, that's my big hope is that you, and it's, it's easier said than done, but that's why these guys get paid what they get paid. And that's, that's why we're a fan of this organization because we're believers in this organization and we think that they can make this happen. If you take all those glimpses and you roll them into a more consistent vision, there's no reason to believe that he won't be exactly right. That we'll look back after week 17 and be like, huh, look at, look at where we're sitting right now. Yeah, I agree. I think you, you really have to start putting this thing together. Um, I think the Vikings this entire year, while these last three games have been tough to watch, I, I think when it comes to these big games, the Vikings have stepped up to the challenge. And I think we do a good job of playing to the competition when the competition uh, is better on, on paper than us. And then we do a terrible job of playing the competition when the competition is on paper worse than us. So I think you, you got to start putting the, these games together and you got to start um, figuring out who we are because uh, the past three weeks, teams have started to stack the box against us, right? And, and then you, you play, you play a, a Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense that is the number one run defense in the NFL. I think these last three games helped us figure out that, hey, we can throw the ball more too. Like we, if teams are going to stack the box, we can throw the ball too. So it's like, hey, let's, let's put a complete game together simply on the offensive side of the ball. Special teams, that's going to have to take care of itself. But on the offensive side of the ball, you, you got to start sustaining drives. Today you, you had, I think, four, five, three and outs. You can't have that against these teams that have really good defenses. So I think you really have to put it together. And if you can put it together, these next four games, starting with Tampa Bay, at the home of Super Bowl 55, I think that is a, a great start for this team that can, you know, rewrite the history and, and tell the story for the rest of the season. And Gabe, and when we, I'll go back to what I was saying about glimpses. You know, you're exactly right. And not only are we playing a really good run defense next weekend, but every team we play the rest of the season, and if you get into the playoffs, is going to have a very focused approach on our strengths. Everybody knows our top strength is Dalvin Cook. So I'm with you. The hope here is, especially if Irv Smith Jr. can get back out on the field, my hope is we, we've heard it. We've heard it in meetings. We've heard it in interviews. We've heard broadcasters say it. Kirk Cousins talking about singles and doubles versus triples and home runs. Earlier in the season, he was trying to hit too many home runs, and it was important to focus on the singles and doubles. Well, now we're getting to a point that we need a couple home runs as well. So that, that's yeah. what I, as things come together, and I think that's what you're saying here too, Gabe, is as you get in the home stretch here, you know, take the threat of Delvin Cook, you take your emerging talent uh, in the wide receiver and tight end core, you take hopefully the step that's existed in your offensive line as Ezra Cleveland comes back and you put it all together and you become a team that's really good at hitting singles and doubles and is also really good at hitting a few home runs a game and really scaring an opposing defense. So maybe the margin isn't so close that some of these mistakes are affecting outcomes of games. All right, let's move on to buy the numbers and Gabe, let's get this started, started right away here. We're starting with the number 12. Yeah. Number 12. That is how many games it took Justin Jefferson to amass 1000 receiving yards. We know right now with the 1000 receiving yards, he is the second 
rookie wide receiver in franchise history to do so, including Justin Jefferson right now. Only five receivers in the NFL have had 1,000 yards receiving in their first 12 games. So hats off to Justin Jefferson for, for having a big game. Two, two uh, catches stand out to me, and I'm thinking of that 40-yard catch uh, over uh, Luke Barku that set up uh, Adam Thielen touchdown. And then later in the uh, third quarter, uh, Justin Jefferson had the 20 yard, um, the 20 yard touchdown basically on Luke Barku also. And Justin Jefferson, we, we know he's a, a stud, but when you look at these numbers, look at these stats and even with four games left to break more records, you, you got to say Justin Jefferson is in a run if you're rookie of the year. I agree, Gabe. And it seems like every week we're talking about a new stat, a new record, a new franchise record, a new NFL record. But I want to follow up with you on one thing, because you're an X's and O's guy. You've played the wide receiver position yourself. So I want to ask you about that. On that 20-yard touchdown pass, Justin Jefferson makes a route where he's going one way and just completely changes direction and leaves that defender in his tracks for an easy touchdown catch. So describe to Vikings fans kind of how special that route running ability is as a rookie wide receiver in the NFL. That, that's very special to be able to drop your hips and change directions in a split second like that. You, you don't see that every day from any receiver. There, there's not a lot of receivers that can do that in the NFL that's veterans right now. So for Justin Jefferson to be, you know, so savvy with his hips, quick feet, and be able to turn his hips to be able to catch a ball like that, first and foremost, great play call by Gary Kubiak right there because you got to play action to the, to, the, to the right, and then Kirk rolls out to the left and then throws back to the right. I mean, if you're a cornerback, you're thinking, all right, well, Justin Jefferson, he's on the right side. He's doing an over route to the left side. So you're already over pursuing. And then you see Justin Jefferson drop his hips and go back opposite side, go back to the opposite side and then catch a touchdown. It's like, oh, my gosh. Like, first and foremost, hell of a route, hell of a catch, but hell of a play call, too. So Justin Jefferson, like I was saying before, man, he, he deserves everything, every award he is, he is in the running for at the end of the season. A thousand receiving yards on that number 12th touchdown you put the number 12 there i'm happy it wasn't for tom brady who we're facing next <laughs> oh, and, week <laughs> and it wasn't for adam it wasn't for adam Thielen either with his 12 touchdowns uh, right now exactly the next number is six yeah number six that's the amount of turnovers today and of course the vikings have four takeaways and a safety but at the same time six turnovers in the game i think that proved to be how sloppy this game was i mean this this game would have been uh, I, 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 this game would have been easier to watch if there wasn't six interceptions or if there wasn't two interceptions on the Vikings. And I, I got to point out the Vikings with these turnovers, you know, this is the second straight week. They've had a defensive turnover. Uh, well, this is the second straight week. They've allowed a defensive touchdown on the first play of the second half. And you can't have that. The past three weeks, the Vikings have the Vikings, the past three weeks, opposing teams have 30 points off turnovers versus the Vikings. And if the Vikings want to go into this, you know, this last four-game stretch and try to get some wins, wins they got to stop turning the ball over. And those two turnovers were costly, but at the same time, I'll, I'll take the four takeaways also. And I think the defense has to continue to step up uh, when they get the opportunity to do so. Yeah, as you said, those six turnovers on both sides. The Vikings had two turnovers in this game. The fourth game they've had two turnovers. That leads the NFL. So clearly things need to change for the Vikings 
if they're going to go on this playoff run because turnovers can't happen. And what happened with Kirk Cousins and that turnover to start the second half, Gabe, if that doesn't change and you're not, and you keep handing teams points, especially to start the second half, this is two weeks in a row now, that needs to change going forward for the Vikings offense. For sure. And you got to think, even looking back, I think it was the Tennessee Titans game where Kirk Cousins had a pick six that was called back in the first play of the second half. Like this isn't, like this is a reoccurring theme for this Vikings team this year. You know, you got to stop turning the ball over. You got to stop, you know, killing yourself against team. Well, I'll put it this way. You got to stop playing to the level of competition. I mean, the Jacksonville Jaguars one win uh, last week against the Carolina Panthers, not a really good team. And you play it to the level of competition. You probably could say that against the Cowboys the week before where you had, I believe it was two turnovers. So you got to stop playing to the level of competition and, and being careless with the ball if you want to continue to have success. Last number is 14, and it's not for Stefan Diggs because we're not thinking about him right now at all when you see Justin Jefferson continue to break all of these franchise records. But number 14, Gabe, explain that one. Yeah, and it's not for the two uh, defensive touchdowns for the Carolina Panthers either last week. The 14 is for the time, how many times Kirk Cousins was hit today. I know that that's a, you know, a glaring stat, your quarterback getting hit 14 times, but Kirk Cousins, he got up 15 and he played phenomenal today. But when you look at this O-line and look at, you know, the pressure that they got, you know, they, they did they did a solid job. Well, I wouldn't say a solid, they did an okay job today of protecting the quarterback. I mean, they did give up three sacks, but at the same time, this Jacksonville Jaguars defense was bringing pressure uh, pretty much every play it felt like. And Kirk, he took some big shots. There was a, you know, a targeting play. I think it was early in the second quarter that Kirk, um, that was called in the Vikings' favor. And you, you never want to see your, your quarterback take those big hits. You never want to see your quarterback on the ground. And 14 times, that's not good. But like I said, hats off to Kirk for – hats off to Kirk for being decisive today. And, you know, he sometimes he had to stay in the pocket and take some of those hits to, you know, throw a touchdown pass or throw a, a deep third down ball. So 14, that's a bad number. But at the same time, Kirk Cousins, hey, respect to your toughness today, man. Yeah, sometimes it amazes me the kind of hits that he takes as unathletic as he seems to be. <laughs> but he definitely took multiple hits today, a few that actually he drew that flag for roughing the passer. And and that's what Ben talked about earlier in the show. I want to see some of the play calling as well, Try to try to help out. Like think about the way the Panthers were able – Teddy Bridgewater was able to get rid of the ball mm-hmm. early, quick against the Vikings defense. This is a Jaguars defense that really has not had a great year. They have some playmakers. They have some pass rushers. But they really have not had a spectacular year rushing the passer. So I would yeah, like to come- see play calls maybe, Gabe, kind of kind of mm-hmm. alleviate this since it seems like it's not always the offensive line who can do it. Yeah, and coming into this game, this Jacksonville Jaguars defense only had 11 sacks on the season. So exactly, I, I would say that, you know, probably a, a point of emphasis wasn't protect. I mean, a point of emphasis every week is protecting the quarterback, but that probably wasn't the number one thing this week uh, when you talk about a team that's getting pressures to a quarterback. So that's a, that's a, gl- a glaring stat, but at the same time, Kirk, he was in the pocket a lot longer today. You know, there were a few balls, were a few balls, where, you know, he pumped fake a few times and he had to stay in the pocket or he went to his second or third progression, which allows time for the defensive line to get pressure on your quarterback. So Kirk has been decisive the past few weeks. He was decisive today, but you can tell he second-guessed a few things down the field, which you can say led to some of those pressures and some of those QB hits. But 
I, I think something has to change moving forward because you, when you play a team like Tampa Bay that, that gets to the quarterback fairly often, uh, they're, they're going to watch the tape this week and basically say, hey, here, here are some holes right here. And if you keep, keep hitting Kirk, maybe we'll get some, you know, him, you know, maybe he'll get happy feet in the pocket and, you know, start throwing us some interceptions, throwing us the ball and we can get more takeaways. Well, there you have it. At the end of the day, the Vikings are six and six on the season, and they got back to that 500 mark after heading into the bye week one and five. And speaking of bye weeks, that's what the Tampa Bay Buccaneers had done this past week. And it also brings to mind the fact that the Dallas Cowboys were coming off of a bye week when they played the Vikings and beat them a few games ago. So just because the Bucs are on a two-game losing streak, all things seem out of sort. They've had an extra week to prepare, watch this Vikings game, and get ready for that huge matchup at Raymond James Stadium on Sunday. The home of the Super Bowl, and this game will determine a lot of things for the playoff race as the Bucs are 7-5, and five, the Vikings are 6-6. Six and six. With a Cardinals loss, they will be currently in the playoffs heading into next week, and obviously the winner of that Buccaneers game will control the tiebreaker between the two teams there. So a big game next week. You will hear all the coverage on the, Vi- on the Vikings Entertainment Network going forward this week. For Cy Amundsen, for Ben Lieber, and of course Gabe Henderson, this is Chris Corso. We will see you next week. We'll be right back.